of that tonight at 6.30. I want you to get your Bible, and I want you to go to one of the most familiar passages of Scripture in all the Word of God, one of the most quoted, most familiar, preached at probably more funerals than any other passage. It is Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. And as you finish finding this, I also want to bring to your attention that on next Sunday, it is July the 3rd, and in honor of our independence as a nation, the next day being July 4th, we are going to combine our service for the day. We're having one service at 10 o'clock. We've been doing this since January on uh, the weekends that have a holiday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Memorial Day. It's worked very well for us, so we're going to do it again the July 4th weekend. So next Sunday, everybody, we're getting together at 10 o'clock. Why don't everybody just come in your jeans and red, white, and blue? We'll just make it a real fun picnic kind of style day. Does that sound good? Yeah. yeah. We're going to hang the flag. Pastor Dave, I want you to hang the flag. We just, we're going to celebrate our independence. We're going to celebrate our freedom as a nation, but we're also going to celebrate our freedom as followers of Christ. Hallelujah. So come and let's have a great, great day next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Psalm 23. I want us to read this passage of Scripture together. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's all read this together. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Say that again. He restores my soul. One more time for good measure. He restores my soul. Read on. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Most already know this, but I do know we have some guests with us today. So I want to tell them, I'm a Hoosier. Some of y'all are going, so what does that even mean? Well, it means I grew up in Indiana. Indiana is my home state. Terre Haute, Indiana, is my home town. You don't really call Terre Haute a city. It's just a hometown. Now, growing up in Indiana, it meant that the Indy 500 was a big deal to us. That came around on the Memorial Weekend. We loved the Indy 500. A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, Al and Bobby Unser, these were the heroes of a day gone by when I was a boy. Now we couldn't afford to go to the actual races, 
So my dad would take me to the time trials, is what it's called. That's where they determine who's in the race and what lane they'll be in or what place that they'll be in, who's, who's in the first lane, second, and so forth all the way down. We would swing by KFC and pick up a bucket of extra crispy and we'd head off to the big city of Indianapolis. Ooh, we're going to the races. It was awesome. I'm telling you, there was nothing quite like it. The roar of the engines was so loud, we are hollering at one another just to be heard. It was awesome. I was fascinated quickly, wanted to get to the chicken even quicker, and then spent the rest of the day bored and asking Dad when we're going to go home. <laughs> that was just the Indy 500 week. Loved it. But I remember thinking, as the cars would roar by, why are some of the cars getting off and stopping? I found out they were getting off for a pit stop. They were getting off for a pit stop. In motorsports, a pit stop is where a racing vehicle stops in the pits during the race for refueling, New tires, repairs, mechanical adjustments, maybe even a driver change or any combination of these needs. If a pit stop is not taken, the driver is in trouble. He may blow a tire, have engine trouble, or he might just simply run out of gas. La Palma Christian Center, I believe part of the problem for Christians today including some in this room, is the lack of a pit stop. We don't seem to see the need to get in the pit lane, to get to the pit crew, to be refueled, to be refreshed, to be refocused, to be adjusted and tweaked. So what happens? We blow a tire or a gasket. What happens? We have engine trouble or marriage trouble. What happens? We just run out of gas. We run out of gas and we can't even finish the race. We are no longer viable, disqualified even. Why? We didn't take the pit stop. We didn't take multiple pit stops. It's not just one pit stop that is necessary for the racer. It's not just one pit stop that the driver needs. There are multiple pit stops that will be needed in order to finish the race strong. We're called to run the race. Don't ever forget it. We're talking about overflow and God pouring into us abundance. So much so that we're taking it to others. But how many know that you can't give someone what you don't have? In our desire for overflow, folks, it's necessary, vitally necessary, that we take pit stops along the way. The pit is the pasture. And we, we're sheep. The Lord is our shepherd. Now, in studying for the message today, 
I used Max Lucado's book, Traveling Light. I would recommend jotting that down, Traveling Light, and maybe get on Amazon and have them deliver that to you next week. Really worth it. Of course, Max Lucado, he's an easy, easy read. But I love what he had to say here about sheep. You wouldn't think sheep would be obstinate. Of all God's animals, the sheep is the least able to take care of himself. Sheep are dumb. Have you ever met a sheep trainer? <laughs> ever seen sheep tricks? Not cheap tricks. <laughs> know anyone who has taught his sheep to roll over? Ever witnessed a circus sideshow featuring Mazadon and his jumping sheep? <laughs> no. Sheep are just too dumb. And they're defenseless. They have no fangs. They have no claws. They can't bite you or outrun you. That's why you never see sheep as a team mascot. We've heard of the St. Louis Rams, the Chicago Bulls, and the Seattle Seahawks. But how about the New York Lambs? <laughs> Who wants to be a lamb? You couldn't even stir up a decent yell from the cheerleaders. What's more, sheep are dirty. A cat can clean itself. So can a dog. We see a bird in a bird bath. We see a bear in a river. But sheep, they get dirty and they stay that way. Couldn't David have thought of a better metaphor? Surely he could have. After all, he outran Saul. He outgunned Goliath. Why didn't he choose something other than sheep? How about, the Lord is my commander-in-chief, and I am his warrior. There. We like that better. A warrior gets a uniform and a weapon and maybe even a medal. Or, the Lord is my inspiration, and I am his singer. We are in God's choir. What a flattering assignment that would be. Or, the Lord is my king, and I am his ambassador. Who wouldn't like to be a spokesperson for God? Everyone stops when the ambassador speaks. Everyone listens when God's minstrel sings. Everyone applauds when God's warrior passes. But who notices when God's sheep show up? Who notices when the sheep sing or speak or act? Only one person notices. The shepherd notices. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is David's point precisely. Today, I want us to go to the pasture. Go to the pit, if you will, for your pit stop. When we do, there are some things that I think we will find that we need. First of all, you'll find rest. Rest is found in the pasture. Look at verse number two. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, away from the roar of the engines. 
Anybody ever just get tired and you'll admit it this morning? Some of y'all are tired right now. You're nodding off. Wake up. <laughs> see, I, I can see all of that. <laughs> you want, I, we ought to serve some coffee, shouldn't we, Ron? <laughs> Anybody ever just get tired? I mean, we run at 150 to 200 miles an hour. That's how fast the cars at Indy go, by the way. That's the average, 150 to 200. That's about like us, though. We're just zooming around the track. We're running so fast. We are busy with work. We're busy with our family. We're busy with play. We might even be busy doing the right thing. Busy with church. Busy with ministry. One of the biggest downfalls for pastors, they're workaholics and they burn out. I don't want that. My wife doesn't want that. You don't want that. Come on, somebody. And my board doesn't want that. I love my board. I love our board of elders. They make sure that I get away. I love our pastors. Every January and every June, I have set as a practice for the last six years that I get away for two or three days. I call it prayer and prep time. I just get alone. I read, I, I listen, I write, whatever. I just, I just want to get alone with God and let His Spirit direct the, the few days. No agenda, just me and God. June, this particular month that we're in right now, got full fast. So full that I did not factor in a couple of days away. And I reasoned with myself that I, I'll, I'll sneak it in here, there, or some other way. And I, 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 Pastor Jim, last, last week, he said, Pastor Steve, aren't you supposed to be getting away for a couple days? It's June. I said, yeah, I know, I, I know, but it's just snuck up on me. Now we're at the end of June. I just, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it this June and, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he just stopped. He said, Pastor Steve, aren't you supposed to be getting away for a couple days? It's June. I knew what he was saying. He was saying, you get out of here. We'll handle this. We'll run this office. Everything will be fine. You've got to get away. I told Karen, and she, she, got, she, got, she started getting on the Internet right away. She said, you want to stay here? You want to stay there? You want to? Uh, she, she booked the hotel. I was, I was out of here. I left, and I was gone for two days, and it was so wonderful. But see, we just get in a hurry. We're running. Even doing the right thing, Ron. The shepherd's going, hey, pull over. Pull into the pit stop. I've got rest for you. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Come on, somebody, say it. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. Rest for your weary soul. Hmm. Jesus is Lord, and the Lord is our shepherd. 
I italicized, and maybe you want to just underline or highlight, if you have a highlighter, the word makes. He makes me lie down. Sometimes we just don't want to do that. I think I'm in good company when I say that I contend to be a workaholic. I love my job. I, and I, you know, I say job like it's a job. I love what God has allowed me to do, called me to do. It doesn't feel like a job at all. That's why maybe I love it so much and I, I just have to tell myself to leave it at home. If you're weary today, pull off. Pull off and take your pit stop and you'll find rest. It's not the only thing you'll find. Restoration is also found in the pasture as you take your pit stop. Look at verse number 3. The very, just the very first part of it. It says, He restores my soul. Isn't this interesting, La Palma Christian Center, that here we are again at the word restore or restoration. We spent the first three months of the year practically talking about restoration. It was to be the year of restoration. And in fact, God did exactly what He said He was going to do. He began immediately restoring the things that the enemy had stolen from us, repairing bringing back to its original state. That's what restoration is, to bring back. So you say, well, isn't it a bit redundant then? Hadn't we already hit that enough back in January and February? No. God restored, yes. But the enemy never stops doing what he does. Does anybody know what the enemy's job description is? What is it? John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't want to alarm you. I'm not trying to be an alarmist here, folks. I'm just telling you that when you wake up tomorrow morning, the enemy is going to be waiting for you, trying to take from you trying to kill, trying to steal, trying to destroy. He'll just never stop. It's his job. We shouldn't be surprised by it. And sometimes he succeeds. And when he succeeds, we need to pull off and get to the pit, get to the pasture, let the shepherd restore what has been damaged. Don't just keep running like nothing was stolen from you. Pull over and let the shepherd restore that. That's what he desires to do. Bring that restoration. The good shepherd wants to repair the destruction in your soul brought on by the attacks of the enemy. But you've got to get to the pasture. You've got to get to the pit for your pit stop so your soul can be restored. Righteousness is something else that we'll find as we take our pit stop. Read on in verse number 3. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. It's so easy to get off track. It happens so quickly, but I think it happens so subtly. It's just a slow shift. It's just a little bit of veering. 
We're distracted by billboards and magazines and TV ads and, and the movies that we watch and the music that we listen to. We're distracted. Our vision is pulled. And if we're not careful, we, we let that pulling get us off track. And we start doing things that we never would have done. We already know they're not right to do. But because we didn't correct it, we get off track and we start doing things and allowing things, winking at things. When you take your pit stop, the shepherd can realign your tires. He'll clear off your windshield, right? He'll tweak the engine as it needs to. He'll make the adjustments in your spirit and in your soul. And you're back on the right track, on the right path, not veering off little by little. If it's not corrected by the end of the race, you're so far off the path, you're so far off track, there's no chance for living. Righteousness, by the way, is something that we can attain. I think some folks like to leave righteousness up in the lofty stratosphere that only a few can attain, only a few can reach righteousness, holiness. Folks, we need to leave it right here where we can attain it every day. It's within our grasp because remember, we're called to holiness. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Be holy, for I am holy. God would never call us to something that we could not attain that would just be cruel. If He calls us to holiness, how many believe we can attain that? If He called us to live right, how many believe you can actually live right? Not only can you, you must. But the only way for that to happen successfully is to pull off. Every now and then, get off the racetrack. Get to the pit stop. Get back on the right track, the path of righteousness. Resolve is something else that will be found as you take your pit stop. I found this in verse number 4. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's powerful. The good shepherd will give us a resolve that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. I have a feeling today that everything is going to be all right. Why don't you just nudge your neighbor and tell him everything is going to be all right. Jermaine, everything is going to be all right, my friend. Everything, I have a feeling. Everything is going to be all right. Let the shepherd speak peace into your heart. Let him speak peace into your spirit and into your soul that no matter what you face, death itself can come. And it's going to be all right. The number one fear of Americans. It is the fear of death, the fear of dying, the fear of someone you know, someone you love dying. The number one fear of Americans. It paralyzes and it limits our effectiveness. But you need to remember something. Not only does God know your birth date, 
God knows your death date. Hebrews 9, 27 says that it's appointed unto man once to die. After that comes the judgment. You don't have to fear death. Not if you're walking with the shepherd. Death could come. Death could, death could call. What can death do to you? I like what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die, that's even better. We're just in a temporary setting anyway. We're just in temporary homes anyway. Our goal is heaven. May we never forget it. We get so busy and so comfortable gathering everything we can on earth. You're not taking anything with you. Someone asked when Rockefeller died, one of the richest men in the world, they asked, how much did he leave behind? And the coroner said, all of it. He left all of it. And so will you and so will I. Death is just our taxi, our taxi ride. Death is just our, our chauffeur to our eternal place of living. Don't you dare fear death another day. Don't fear evil either. Don't wring your hands about the evil in the world. There's always been evil in the world. There'll always be evil in the world. The enemy has some jurisdiction here. His... His cohorts, which we call demons, they're active. How many believe that de the devil and his demons are active in the world? If you don't, I feel sorry for you. Because you're in la-la land. There is a real devil. And there are real demons. The Bible's very clear about this. But you don't have to fear them. You don't have to fear evil. I will fear no evil evil. Because why do we not fear evil? He is with me. Who is he? It's like our big brother is with us. Who's going to come along and, and fight us with our big brother there? It's like our protector is with us. Our, our bodyguard is with us. My shepherd is with me. The Lord himself is with me and he walks with me and he talks with me. Don't fear evil and don't fear the devil. In fact, if anything, I would like to suggest that the devil ought to be fearing you. If you are a born-again believer and you've been bought with the price and you are filled with God's Word and filled with God's Spirit, the devil ought to be asking, I wonder what Richard is going to do in my territory today. You don't have to walk around another day fearing the devil and fearing evil. Hold your head up high, son of God, daughter of Zion. God is for you, and if God be for me, come on somebody, who can be against me? You and God make up a majority, and there's nothing that can't be done. You can climb a wall, you can scale a mountain. Hallelujah. Don't fear any more evil. The fear of death is gone, the fear of evil is gone, and bonus comes. Somebody say bonus. Bonus comfort is given. Not only is the fear of death gone, the fear of evil gone, God speaks comfort to us. The shepherd gives comfort to us. 
Anxiety leaves us. Worry is alleviated. The paralysis of fear is taken away from us, and we get a bonus. God gives us comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm. Be comforted today knowing that the good shepherd, he's right there next to you. And he promised he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Refreshing is found in the pit stop. Number five, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Refreshing. Ah, I love to be refreshed. Verse number five. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. The prepared table here, folks, it speaks of food, and food actually speaks of fuel. We would actually do better as we are on this race and on this journey here on earth, we would do better if we would just see food as fuel. Now, I like high-octane fuel. <laughs> I have a bit of a sweet tooth, and the sweets are my high-octane. <laughs> But I, I, I do better for myself when I just think food is a fuel and I need to fuel the body properly. God wants to prepare this table for us, folks, even in the presence of our enemies. You don't have to gloat. In fact, don't do that. God has a way of, of, of showing His power and His might and His glory. You don't have to, you don't have to, uh, try, to try to prove yourself. You just sit back and let God be God and watch what He does. In the end, He will have spread a table that your enemies even have to sit and watch you eat and enjoy and be refreshed. Are you eating the right thing? Oh, this is a good question here, and I'm going to let you think on it a moment. What are you eating? Not, not physical food right now. I want to I ask you, what are you eating spiritually? Because whatever comes in the body is what the body is going to become. Right? You are what you eat. Whatever you're putting in is going to be coming out. You know, they say garbage in and garbage out, right? Can I, can I pastor you just for a minute here, church? We ingest into our spirit so much garbage and then wonder why we're spiritually sick. What are you eating? How many got your Bible with you today? Come on, I want to see it. Don't grab the hymnal. Put that down. <laughs> Come on, let me see your Bible. Isn't it awesome? Mm. Mine's, my, uh, all the lettering's just about wore off, and my name's just about wore off. I was looking through here, and I found that this was given to me in 2001, and what a gift this has been to me over these last 10 years. Amazing. But unless I take it in my hands and open it and read it and meditate on it and study it. 
It's just, it's just another book of many that I have that will gain, gather dust and just fill up space on a shelf. But when I decide that every day I'm going to go to this book and I'm going to open it and read it, it's as though I'm taking nourishment because the Word of God is like bread to us. What are you eating? What are you feeding your spirit? What are you listening to? I'm astounded at what people will allow into their spirits by way of music, by way of television and movies, and justify it all day long. And boy, it, it, they, they have it down so well, and it, their, their explanation is so slick. Woo! I'm about to go to the R-rated movie with them. You about convinced me. There might be a little nugget there we could find. Now, there's some language, they'll say. There's just a little brief nudity that you might have to close your eyes. But boy, they sing this hymn about halfway through it. And it just stirred my soul. It was worth the whole movie just to hear them sing that hymn. I know, it's ridiculous. But it is the gospel truth. We feast on worldliness and wonder why we're sick. What are you eating? i got to move on because i got one more point and then we're going to pray. One more thing right here on this refreshing. The oil that, is speak, that, that the psalmist is speaking of here, there's actually two kinds of oil. One is a priestly anointing oil and the other is uh, it's like a perfume or a lotion, basically. The psalmist is speaking of the perfumed Lotion, the shepherd anoints the head. It's like a salve. It's like an ointment. It's like a perfumed aloe vera for a sunburn. Some of the kids were out washing cars yesterday and they didn't put on the sunblock and so today they're sunburned. <laughs> the refreshing that comes from the shepherd, anointing our heads. It's like when my kids, Daisy will come home from a day at school and she stinks of just the, the play yard and the sweat of the day and she wants to come and hug me and I'm, because mm, she's my daughter and I love her, stinky or not, right? Then a little bit later she'll say, Daddy, I'm gonna go take a bath. And she'll put on some nice lotion after she gets out of the bath. And boy, she smells so good. And her hair smells so good. She's refreshed. Pull over. Let the shepherd wash you. You're dirty. Sheep are dirty. We can't lick our paws like a cat can. We can't clean ourselves like, like some of the other animals. We need the shepherd to clean us, folks. Anoint our heads that everybody will know we've been with the shepherd. They'll smell it on us. What are they smelling on you? They smell the world on you? They smell the sweat of the playground on you? Or do they smell, oh, he just came out of the, he just came out of the, the bath with the shepherd. The shepherd just anointed him and put some lotion on him. Hmm. And finally, if you'll pull over and get to the pasture, you'll be replenished. 
replenishing, refueling, refocusing. The psalmist said finally there in verse number five, my cup, it runs over. There's the overflow part. We want to take this good news and this goodness that we have found in the place of overflow, we want to take it to others. We're called to take it to others. But you can't give someone what you don't have. You've got to take the pit stops. All the repairs go on. All the tweaking, changing of tires and whatever. Our tanks are topped off. We're replenished, ready to give to someone in need. They're all about you. They're all around you. Someone needs what you have. Someone needs what you found in the pasture. Pull over. You'll find rest. You'll find restoration. You'll find righteousness. You'll find a resolve. Refreshing will be found. And you'll be replenished so that your cup runs over. And now what? Well, I'm glad you asked. Now you're back in the race. Now you're back on track. Now you're running again. You're going again. You're refueled and refreshed and refocused and you're ready for whatever is next. That's what. Huh. Look at verse number six. I'm going to close this up. Look at this though. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Folks, the Good Shepherd in all His wisdom and because of His great love for us, He sends us back into the race. He sends us back into the world with two of the best and most helpful companions we could ever hope for. Goodness and mercy. Mm. Come here, Mike. Come here, Jesse. You be goodness. You be good, actually. Start there. <laughs> you be goodness and take my arm and you be mercy. Oh, look at this. I, I've already had my pit stop here, everybody. I'm so ready for whatever else God has for me. I'm excited. I'm, I'm fully aligned. Uh, everything's just, just right. Because I took the time to get to the pit, to the pasture. He sends me back, but He doesn't send me alone. Goodness and mercy are following me. Just follow me here a little bit. Just lag behind me just ever so slightly. You're following me, see? And I'm on down the road a little bit. And what happens? A movie catches my attention. A billboard catches my attention. A song catches my attention. You name it. Anything and everything will catch our attention. Come on. And I'll dart over with my eyes and maybe dart over with my hands. And I'll even want to dart over with my feet. But what happens? Goodness. Oh, hallelujah. Goodness. i got to get a tissue because I'm... Hallelujah. Mm. Come on now. 
Goodness pulled me right back on track. Goodness pulled me right back on track. Hallelujah. Disaster averted. Isn't that good? So I'm on, I'm on the path again. Goodness realigned me in that moment. Because goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm on down the path. I'm on down the road. It happens again. It's going to happen every day. My eyes are, are diverted. My heart is diverted. And this time, I just say, I, I understand what you're trying to do in keeping me from doing wrong and wanting me to do right and keeping me to do goodness. But goodness cannot force me. So I'm going to let go of goodness and I'll have to even let go of mercy and I'm going to partake of what I know I should not. What happens? I fall because it wasn't God's path for me. I had my will instead of God's will, instead of the shepherd's will, and I fell. Goodness is back here saying, I tried to help you, I tried to pull you tried to show you but our wills are so strong we're such a willful people that sometimes we choose poorly we choose against God's will and then we fall guess what happens next there's mercy mercy gonna pick me up now mercy's there for when we do decide to get off track again and he reconnects me with goodness. See, I didn't get what I deserved. I deserved to be punished. I deserved, I, I deserved the, the penalty, but I didn't get that. What God gave me instead, he sent mercy along to help me. I deserved justice. Mercy came instead. Picked me up, brushed me off. Wow. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Good Shepherd. We thank you today. You are the Good Shepherd. Thank you for showing us the need in our running the race, in our going 150 to 200 miles an hour, showing us the need to get off into the pit lane, get to the pit crew, get to the pit master. Holy Spirit, adjust us as you see fit. Every head is bowed. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I know without a shadow of a doubt I need a pit stop in my life. I want you to stand right where you are. All over this congregation, you need a pit stop. You need rest. You need restoration. You need a resolve that no matter what comes your way, you will not operate in fear. You will not live in fear. Come on, all over this congregation, all over this sanctuary, you need a pit stop. Today's your day. Today's your day. You won't be forced to pull over, by the way. They'll wave the appropriate flag telling you you probably should pull over. 
According to our uh, records, your fuel should be low by now. You need to pull over. We'll zoom right by that flag. They'll wave the flag again saying, if, if you don't pull over, you're going to blow a tire. You're going to blow a gasket. You're going to lose your temper. You better pull over. Today's the day for pit stop in the overflow process so that your cup can be refilled not just to full to overflowing if you're standing I want you to lift your hands kind of as a cup to the Lord and just ask him right now say God good shepherd fill me now you know my need of you you know the areas in my life that need adjusting, that need tweaking. Father, I pray for this congregation today, every man and woman and every student that's standing. May they find in your pasture all that you have for them. Our desire, God, is to be effective messengers carrying out the cause of Christ and the message of love and the message of hope. But we can't do that if we're worn out, if we're given out, if we're out of gas. So I pray, Lord, for a refreshing, a refueling, and a refocusing. I pray it in Jesus' name. Come on now, everybody stand up on your feet. And with heads still bowed, I've got one more question before we leave this room. I wonder if there's anybody here you don't even know the Good Shepherd. I believe that God has ordained the steps of every person in the room to be here. Jesus offers everlasting life to all who will believe and all who will accept this. If you're here today and you're ready to let Jesus into your life, accepting God's plan for everlasting life through His Son, Jesus, I want you to lift your hand so we can pray for you before we leave. Is there anyone here today you're ready to accept Christ as the Good Shepherd? the Lord, the Savior. You can put your hand up and put it right back down. We will pray for you today. Anyone? Amen. Amen. Well, folks, remember in your journey, pit stops are vitally necessary. I found out that the record for pit stops, by the way, the fastest, four seconds. Four seconds getting in, topping off the fuel, changing four tires, and they're back on the, on the track. I don't know how fast your pit stop will be. There'll be some that are quick. Just slight adjustments is all that needs to be done to get you back on the right track. But it's important that throughout the race of life that you're getting off 
getting into the pit, getting into the pasture. Don't miss tonight. We're going to have a great night with Justin Fox. Be here early. Pastor Moses, dismiss us in prayer. Father, we thank you today, God, for your presence in this place. God, we thank you that we can find refreshing, God, in this race. Father, in life, we can go to you, Father, and be filled once anew, filled again. Be refreshed, God. And I thank you, God, for the refreshing that's already even taken place in this room, in this building. Father, we pray, God, that we would always look to you, Father, for you are the answer, God. You are the solution. Father, we turn our eyes to you. Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.